Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to meet my next guest, who is a true empowerista. Her name is Alex Worley. She is a national TV host, producer, and CEO of Empowerista, which is a media company empowering women through storytelling. You may have seen Alex hosting shows like the Miss USA telecast, E! News Now, and ABC Red Carpet. Today, you can see her interviewing female entrepreneurs in the national multimedia show, Business Rockstars, and on her own local Los Angeles TV show named after her company, Empowerista. When Alex isn't on camera, she is likely producing videos for Empowerista and other female-centric brands. In 2016, her entrepreneurial journey earns her a spot on Los Angeles Business Journal's 20 in their 20s list. Amazing. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about your journey and where you started and how you're here now building your empire. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And I think that this is one of the fun things about social media. We've been connecting on social media for a while and just supporting each other. And I think it's so great when those connections, you know, go off the platform and then we can obviously support each other on the podcast. So yes. thanks so much for having me. Super honored. I am too. Thanks so much. It is. It's so important to communicate with each other and support each other. And that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. None of us can do this alone. We absolutely need support. And so, you know, one of the things I've really especially loved about Instagram where we've met is it's a great way, no matter where you're located in the world, you can tap into a niche community. And and that's really where starting Empowerista came from. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, Empowerista was actually just started as an Instagram page where I really wanted to tell empowering stories and inspire people. And I love social media because it democratizes content creation and storytelling. Anybody can be a content creator or a storyteller. Um, my background is in broadcasting where, you know, you have this big fancy studio and lights and cameras. Um, and I was really a part of that shift where all of a sudden you don't need to be a part of a, you know, a TV network to tell stories and inspire and empower people. And, and that's kind of where it came from. So anyways, going back to what you were saying about supporting people, yeah, that's that's what, what I'm all about and and really what was kind of the catalyst and inspiration for Empowerista. Well, I want to actually start a little further back before you sure. were a TV host, because I know that you were in the pageant life yourself. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I, and I, I just, because I was too. And oh, no way. Oh, yes. And I, sense. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. You too. But tell me a little about that. What drew you into wanting to do that? Yeah, you know, um, it probably makes sense to even go further back than that. So I've been in the entertainment industry since I was 
nine years old, I believe it was, I started out as a model. So I um, grew up in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area and Kohl's department store is located here. And uh, so I was a model for Kohl's and just, I was always a ham for the camera. I loved to model, act, dance. And um, so I knew I wanted a career in entertainment or media. And so as early as when I was in high school, I would research these people that I looked up to, that I would love to have a career like them and see what they did. And um, one of the career paths that really drew me to it was uh, broadcasting. And so I noticed um, women like Vanessa Manillo, now Vanessa Lachey, um, Shandy Finesse, a bunch of women that I looked up to, especially in the hosting world, they had this background of pageantry. So I was like, all right, I guess that's how you make it in this industry. You do pageants. And so I um, just kind of sat on that for a while. And then when I was in college, I did my first pageant. So, you know, I think a lot of times people have this misconception that you had to grow up doing pageants your entire life because, you know, you see shows on TV that uh, like toddlers and tears and stuff. And you know, that couldn't be farther from the truth. You don't have to be doing pageants since you're two years old. In fact, a lot of the women who go on to Miss USA and Miss America, I mean, not all, it's, you know, maybe roughly 50-50, but a lot of the women um, haven't been doing it for a while. And I was one of those women. So I, in college, knew I wanted to do it as a stepping stone for an entertainment career. I knew I would meet a lot of people. It would be great networking. It would be a great way to get my name out there to further um, hone in on some communication skills that I would need in this industry. So I researched how to win a pageant. And thanks to YouTube, I watched so many videos of former Miss USA's and how they, you know, I studied how they walked, how they answered questions, just their overall presence. And it definitely helped me that I had a background in modeling and did runway walking and that um, I was a dancer. So I knew how to move and I was, you know, always very interested in school. So that helped me with my interview portion. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I researched how do you win a pageant? I uh, competed at Miss Wisconsin USA in 2009 and actually was one of the fortunate people that won my first try. So I, I um, it wasn't actually my very first pageant. It was my first time competing at Miss Wisconsin USA. I also had done one smaller local pageant, Miss Madison, which I didn't even place in. So it's amazing how that extra research and time prepping made all the difference. Um, but I, I did win that in 2009, went on to Miss USA, which was just an incredible experience, especially, you know, at that time in my life, I was 21 years old. I was a senior in college, had, you know, only ever lived in Wisconsin. And so to be on this big national stage was just like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? This is incredible. Um, and, you know, of course, the goal at the time was to win. I unfortunately didn't place. So that was, you know, one of my first of many rejections in the entertainment industry. Uh, but the great thing is, is I got ultimately what I wanted to get 
from the experience, and that is to help me break into the entertainment industry. And, and that certainly was one of many things that allowed me to get into that industry. Um, I think the coolest thing related to pageants is I was able to come back and host the Miss USA telecast in 2015. And, and that was just one of the coolest full circle moments of my entire life because of the fact that I got into pageantry to be a TV host. And I remember being on that stage at Miss USA in 2009. And as much as I would have loved to be Miss USA, um, at the time, even more than that, I was like, how cool would it be to come back to the stage and host the show? And so I really, really feel like I ended up, um, you know, my, my dream came true in, in that sense. It seems, wow. I mean, first of all, congratulations on the win. That's super exciting. And Thank you. I, it seems that you always had a vision for what you wanted. Even back in high school, you knew that you wanted to be some sort of TV host. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I was always in touch with what skills of mine I really enjoyed using and what passions. Um, so yes, in the broader sense, I think I've always been connected to the vision, but I've had to be flexible with how that comes into fruition. Um, one thing that I think is so important is understanding your industry and the direction it's going. So, you know, there was a point in time that I wanted to be the next Juliana Rancic on E and, you know, exclusively host red carpets on E. Well, the hosting industry has changed a lot. And, you know, with TV being the lesser of channels compared to digital and social media, um, there isn't as much opportunity or need for traditional entertainment hosts. Um, there's so, a lot more of a need for like social. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say. So at that point, though, when you were waking up at three in the morning, I have read somewhere you were waking up yeah. at the morning, you know, you started questioning what you were doing. Right. And you didn't question it up until a certain point. But what made you start questioning? Was it when social media and started really taking over? What made you transition? you know, start thinking to yourself, well, I don't know if I want to really do this. Am I going to be the next Juliana? You know, what's going to happen here? How, what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. So, um, I think at the end of the day, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. That was, that was the main thing, you know, being, um, my career has had many different chapters. There was a chapters for several years that I was in local television. So, you know, real quickly, like when you're in local TV, you start in a small market, then you move your way up to a medium market, then a large market. I ended up in Dallas, Texas, which was considered a larger market. And we were syndicated in some other big markets as well. And I was waking up at, you know, 3 a.m. And I was telling stories that I wasn't super passionate about telling. So, you know, when you're in live TV, there's definitely an adrenaline hit that you get. So I think that's one of the things that keeps people going. And it certainly kept me going for many years. There's just 
something unexplainable about live TV, just like the energy you get and that exchange of energy with your audience that is really special. So there, trust me, there is a part of me that misses that chapter, but ultimately it didn't feel fulfilling to wake up that early and be moving to all these different cities. And I was talking about a lot of death and destruction because that's the nature of local news. And so it didn't feel fulfilling. And I think that's the one of the things that I've come to really, really focus on over the years is holding on to at the end of the day, what's fulfilling because money, fame, you know, all these external accolades, they're great, but but at the end of the day, like this is our lives, you know, we, we need to enjoy our life and be fulfilled. So at that point, I went over, um, I, I moved to Los Angeles. I had signed with a major agency, William Morris Endeavor. And so I got into more entertainment hosting, um, which certainly brought about more work-life balance, which was really fulfilling in that sense. Um, it also didn't end up being quite the right fit for me because I was telling a lot of stories about like celebrities and who's dating who. And it, and, and it kind of was the opposite of extreme. I went from a lot of death and destruction to um, talking about celebrities. And that's certainly fun. There were elements of it that were really, really fun and enjoyable. Um, but Empowerista was kind of boring because I saw this opening of I don't need to rely on any other network or platform to tell the stories that I want to tell. So it doesn't have to be, oh, I kind of like this thing about local news, and I kind of like this thing about entertainment hosting. Um, There really was an opportunity that I was seeing from studying the industry and learning the market that anyone can be a content creator. In fact, some of the most successful content creators are not ABC, are not E, but are actually at XYZ on Instagram, you know? So that was really the direction I wanted to go was to be my own content production company and tell the stories that I want to tell. And since then, it's not only afforded me the work-life balance that I've wanted to gain fulfillment, but also that fulfillment of, yes, I love telling stories, but I want to specifically tell stories that are putting good into the world. I love that. That is amazing. And just take me a little bit through the transition that you had from leaving that industry in creating your own, because I know there are so many people out there that feel stuck. Maybe they're happy, but they're not really fulfilled, like you said, you weren't really fulfilled in what you were doing anymore. And what advice do you give those people? I mean, there's a transition period, I'm sure, that you went through a little fearful, maybe, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, is this going to work? Did you go through those feelings or... Yeah, yeah. And I still do every day, to be honest. You know, I think that doesn't ever really go away. And I think that's very important to know that the entrepreneurial journey is very different than working for somebody else. Um, I think that there's so many more wins in entrepreneurship, but there's so many more losses. And um, when you're working, you know, a traditional nine to five, you're just kind of coasting somewhere in the middle. And that's the right choice for some people. 
But for me, I think it comes down to like, what are your values, you know? And for me, I really, really value growth. And in order to grow, we have to feel very uncomfortable sometimes. Um, And I really value impact. And I feel like I can make the most impact by going out on my own and working toward my own vision. So those are the things that get me through the roller coaster of emotions and entrepreneurship. So where does your inspiration come from? Honestly, it's something like just deep down within me. I would consider myself a spiritual person and, you know, have a relationship with God. And I firmly believe that we are all on this earth to make a difference. And I don't think that has to necessarily be super altruistic where, you know, you work for a nonprofit and dedicate your life. It may be that, in which case kudos to you. Um, But I think that no matter what it is that you do, you can show up and make the world a better place. Everything from being, you know, working at a salon to being a yoga instructor, being a realtor, like whatever it is that you do, um, you have the opportunity to make an impact. And, and I felt that for myself. And I've just always um, really tried to be in touch with myself and God and really listen to that inner voice of what am I supposed to do next? I love that so much because I relate to everything you just said. Faith over fear. We're always going to have fear, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's all about having the faith in something higher than ourselves. I'm a believer in God myself. And I also believe in myself. And it seems like we have to do that to move forward, right? What, what are some things that you do? Do you journal? Do you do daily affirmations? I mean, people don't just wake up. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to do great today. I think it's a practice we have to put in place daily. Maybe it's positive self-talk, building a mindset that is, you know, positive again, but I think it doesn't come natural to a lot of people. So do you have things that you do every day to just constantly reassure yourself and, you know, practice? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as far as practices go, uh, two main things are coming to mind. I journal almost every single day, and that's a really good opportunity for me just to get my thoughts on paper. And there's something about for me, not just thinking them, but getting them on paper that like my subconscious kind of comes through. So it helps me be aware of what I'm thinking and what we're aware of, we have more influence over. So, you know, sometimes fears, often fears will pop up, but being aware of them is so powerful. So then we can still make the wisest decision for us. Sometimes fear is an indicator that, nope, don't go that direction because it truly is dangerous. (laughs) And then, or, or we'll take away from what it is that we're trying to create in our lives. And sometimes fear is just something that is irrational, that is keeping us from what we're trying to create in our lives. So I think what's the important takeaway is just being aware of what our thoughts are so that we're making them work for us, not against us. Um, Another practice that I love is yoga. I do yoga several times a week, and that's really, really great for me to, um, first of all, I just, it just feels good in mind, body, soul, and every single way. But I do think it helps me as an entrepreneur as well, because it does, um, 
train you to be centered and to react differently um, to different thoughts and to be present. So I found that to be very helpful. But, you know, going back to kind of the original sentiment of like, how do you ultimately make this happen for yourself and not get in your own way. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important to make commitments to yourself that you don't break and take action on them. And I think that's something that I've been really, really good at over the years. Um, and, you know, I've, it's certainly been learned over the years. But if I, if I have a goal, and my goals are flexible, don't misunderstand, but if I have a goal, I will, you know, really ask myself, what are the things I need to do to reach that goal? Because I think a lot of times we just focus on the goal, but don't understand that that's more of an outcome. It's we ultimately should be striving to do the steps and hit the milestones that are required of us to reach that outcome. And so I get really, really clear on what are those steps and what are those milestones. And then I put into action making those steps and reaching those milestones. Um, so I don't always do it perfectly. It's not to say that I don't slip up sometimes where, you know, I say I'm going to have this blog post done tomorrow and it actually takes me two days. But the point is, is I'm good at follow through and, and upholding my commitments and taking action. Wow. That is amazing. It, it really is. Um, you're inspiring me so much. I'm taking notes right here. Oh. <laughs> I, I love it because it is, it's all about taking the, even the messy action. And sometimes, you know, it's progress over perfection always, because like you said, we're not going to do things perfect, but it's taking that step to, it's the only way you know if it's going to work or not, right? It's yeah, I, I love that you said messy and progress over perfection because that is so much of it. Um, entrepreneurship is actually very vulnerable. And that's something I don't think we often talk about. It's very vulnerable to put yourself out there and not know if it's going to work. And, and nobody is setting a clear path. And, and, and by all means, get mentors, get you know, a business coach if that's helpful to you. And they can certainly guide you which is very helpful. But at the end of the day, nobody's created exactly what you're creating. And therefore, there's no perfect formula. And the only way to figure it out and to move forward is to make mistakes. It's, it's like a requirement. <laughs> um, and, and all the while, you know, in the age of social media, we're a lot of times falling on our face in public. <laughs> and it's just part of the job. And the sooner I accepted that and got comfortable with taking risks, knowing that it wasn't always going to be perfect. Sometimes it was going to be messy. Sometimes it, I was going to make mistakes. That's the sooner that you get to the good stuff. Oh, wow. I love everything you said. Making mistakes is a requirement. I mean, when you really think about it, it is. We are. We put yeah. ourselves out there. We don't know if it's going to work. We just, but it's taking those steps. And I love that. And you're doing all the right things. So I applaud you in so many ways. But I want you to tell us how you created Empowerista. I mean, just the word itself. How did that, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> it's not a super sexy story. <laughs> so I wanted to create content because I'm a storyteller. Like I said, I wanted to create 
content and tell stories that I thought would inspire and empower other people. So I really loved the word empowerment. Um, and then I was just Googling, you know, what's a good blog name? What's a, what's a good Instagram name? And one of the things that popped up was adding Easta. You know, there's obviously fashionista and there's lots of different spins on it. I was like, okay, I love the word empower. And they say that if you add Easta, it's a good fit. Empower Easta. Ooh, that does have a good ring to it. Let's go with it. It's very catchy. I love yeah. it. Yeah, well, well, thank you. And I, and I, and I have really liked it. So, um, so a lot of times it's just, I think when you're coming up with the name, it's brainstorming, it's brainstorming different ideas and what is it that I'm trying to do? I think it's helpful when what you're trying to do is in the title. Um, and then in my case, I wanted to make it kind of catchy. I wanted to make it something that people could identify with and call themselves an empowerista. So uh, once I came up with that formula, I was like, Ding, that that's it. So I, I ran with it. And um, as far as, you know, what kind of the first steps were, I like to break down, I think, when it comes to um, especially storytelling, you typically have one of two routes. You're either a content creator first, who then eventually monetizes, or you have like a product or service and you're using content to sell that product or service. And I was definitely content first. So if, if for people who are that route where they don't necessarily have a product or service yet, but they maybe have just a message that they want to share. I think the best thing to do is to start on social media because you get that quick feedback and you get quick wins and it's um, the best way in the short term to build an audience versus like compared to, for example, if you write a book, which is still a great thing and is, you know, maybe the best route for an entrepreneur at some point in their journey. But if you're just starting out as a content creator, you want that instant feedback and it takes, you know, writing a book would take a year <laughs> and then, you know, who, whatever, um, other amount of time before, you know, you market, you launch it, et cetera, et cetera. With social media, you can post today and get feedback today and then pivot tomorrow. And so uh, that's a beautiful thing is there's a built in community that you can reach um, right away on social media. So that's how I started. I just started on Instagram. I'm posting different inspirational quotes and it caught on and people started to like it. So then from there, I grew it organically from there where I was like, all right, if my audience likes this. I think that they're going to like this. So I, um, you know, one of my first offerings was a group mentoring program. And then I started with events and um, then I created the TV show. So it all kind of organically stemmed really from that original Instagram page. What were your events about? They were networking events, primarily for content creators. And I still will likely do some in the future. Nothing's on the books at the moment. Um, but yeah, I've done several events for content creators that are experiential in nature. They're also educational where we would have a, pan a panel of different female entrepreneurs and content creators. There would be photo ops. There would be opportunities to network with other content creators, to facilitate collaborations. And they were just, you know, fun celebrations of female entrepreneurship. I love that. Bringing everybody together. You're all yeah. about community. I can see you're all about community in relationship building. And I love that. Because yeah. like you said in the very beginning, no one succeeds alone. And I truly believe that. 
empower yeah, with each other. Yes. And events are really special. I think sometimes they're um, underrated in this digital era with, you know, there's so much that you can do online. And we talked about how we met and networked online. Um, so that's amazing, but that's not a substitute for in-person. You know, we all still need in-person connection. There's nothing better than face-to-face -face connection as far as networking goes and really, you know, building a relationship. And so there is absolutely still a place for in-person events. I love in-person events. I just walk in one way and I always leave feeling a different way. You just don't get the vibe when you're on, you know, we're speaking on a Zoom call right now, which we mm -hmm. can see each other. And I love that. That's why, you know, I said, I, I need to see the person I'm actually speaking to than just doing an audio because it just changes the whole conversation. It's totally different. Absolutely. Because so much of communication is nonverbal. Exactly. And so you can pick up on their facial expressions and those different nuances. It makes a world of a difference. Exactly. So, okay. So now we have Empowerista. And from there, you have your own podcast as well. I Why do. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing on your show because I'm, I, I binged the whole entire thing because oh, you're, so, it's, you. <laughs> you're welcome. It's fairly new. So that's super exciting, right? You started October. Yeah, yeah. So I think one thing a lot of people don't realize is I are, I am the repurposing content queen. <laughs> so I actually have had my Empowerista show for several years, but I just recently, to your point, um, stripped of the audio and have now put it on a podcast. So what's beautiful is, um, so I film my Empower Race interviews where I interview female entrepreneurs and we talk about not only the tactical parts about building a business, but also the mindset part and making sure that you're building a business in a way that's fulfilling for you and cultivating that freedom and flexibility. Um, so I've been filming those um, originally with Focus TV, and I still do some work with them, but um, for the past couple of years with Business Rockstars. So they're a multimedia platform that's seen in airports, hotels, um, certainly online, on radio, um, Amazon Prime. So I've been filming with them, and those interviews have been seen on all of those platforms for quite some time. Um, but just recently, I was like, hey, these interviews interviews are edited down quite a bit. The average interview used on these platforms is maybe five or so minutes, but we film for like 30 minutes. I was like, so that's 25 minutes of content that's never being seen or heard. So it's like, I want to rip the entire audio and put it on a podcast platform because we do have these great organic, raw conversations. And some of the best parts are not maybe as appropriate for when you just need like a quick story when you're walking through the airport. But that's the beauty about podcasts. And I love them so much. I'm a, I'm a huge podcast consumer myself. It's my favorite platform to consume content on um, because you just have these rich, intimate conversations where you can really get down into the details and the nuances. And so I really wanted to provide that for my audience. And it's been a lot of fun. I think a lot of times 
Um, you know, there's so many different content platforms and formats that you can create and you can't do it all. You got to start somewhere. And I think a really great question sometimes to ask yourself is what do you like consuming? Because chances are the content you like consuming is going to be the content that your audience likes to consume too, especially if you're very similar to your target audience. I agree that, and, and that's my podcasting to me. It's the same thing. I probably try to get in three or four episodes a day because there's just so, like you said, there's so much, you can learn so much, so many valuable, you know, tools that you can use in your own business is right at our fingertips. I just think it's the most amazing thing that ever came out. So I'm super yeah, it grateful. Yeah, so, it's so good. I, I tend to binge on episodes a lot too. And it's it's great that you can multitask and and listen to the episodes. My husband makes fun of me a lot. He's like, you, he's like, your addiction is podcasts. That's so, my that's husband. What addiction to have. <laughs> that's my husband. He doesn't listen to really any podcast. <laughs> and here I am with my own pot. I said, well, you better listen to my show. <laughs> but he, yeah. you know, some people are not into it. Some people are. I think it's, you know, this is just where I gain a lot of information and I take it and run. I write notes. I, I just learn so much daily that, you know, you can pick up a book and read, but you're in the car now and it's just right there available. And I just think that's unbelievable. So I'm grateful for yours as well. And well, thanks for listening. Means a lot. Yes. I just, so your business, you've evolved as a person and your business has evolved. What does 2020 look like to you? in your business. Ooh, 20, I'm really, really excited about 2020. I was actually just journaling this morning um, and thinking about, you know, what's going to be my, my intention? Because I think as entrepreneurs, it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, all, all the things that we have to do and to get shiny objects, object syndrome. I am so guilty when it comes to that. Like, Ooh, I should be doing this. I should be doing this, but it's really helpful for me to kind of set intentions. And the two things that came to mind was I really, really want to grow the podcast because we were just talking about how passionate we are about podcasts. And at the end of the day, I am a storyteller. So I think it's the best platform for that. And so I want to just continue to create the best content out there and reach the right people that it's really going to resonate with them. And at the end of the day, I want that podcast to empower women to tell their stories, to share their voices, and to use storytelling to ultimately build their business so they can cultivate freedom and flexibility and fulfillment in their lives. So that's, that's kind of the big vision for the podcast. And then in addition to that, I have clients. So, um, Empowerista, in addition to creating our own content, we create content for others, for other businesses. And so we are a content production company. We specialize in video content that lives in digital platforms. So brand videos on your website, case study videos to show your success stories with your clients and your customers that may live on your website or social media, and also other, you know, quick, fun social media videos, like how-to videos, for example. And so I just want to make sure that I'm continuing to serve my clients to, again, help lift up their businesses as well. 
Oh, I love that, Alex. It's just, and you always say less is more in quality over quant quantity. And I guess that's what you're doing. It's really, yeah. about, right? It's really about the quality that you're working with and not so much the quantity. You're zoning in on helping those people Right. I mean, tell us about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I would. I would rather help people in a deeper way, <laughs> versus um, just you know throw out quantity of content. And um, I'd rather work with a few clients and really, really help them in an impactful way versus have a ton of clients and just help them in a mediocre way. And the same goes for, for content as well. So I'm, I'm a big believer in quality. And the beautiful thing is it helps us in our work-life balance too. I think if we're really, really honest with ourselves, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying where we want to do all the things. If we're really, really honest and take a look at what are my actual goals and then what are the tasks that actually move the needle on those goals, that list of things that we need to do all of a sudden becomes a lot shorter. And then we get, you know, time back, not only to put back into the business, but into our lives as well, because if we're not enjoying ourselves, what's the point? Exactly. So what, when you say enjoying yourself, what do you do for fun? I think you're a sports fan, right? Oh, <laughs> you probably <laughs> saw my Packers post. I did. Um, I am, I would, I'm more of a fair weather sports fan. My husband is a big sports fan. So I, a lot of times uh, go to sporting events with him and, you know, by osmosis have just, you know, caught, caught the, the sports fever, if you will. Um, but yoga is my number one. Yoga is my number one. Spending time with friends and family with my husband. Um, my husband travels a lot. And because what I do is primarily remote, I get to travel with him. So that's been a big thing that I've been intentional about is putting my business more online so that I do have the freedom to see the country with him, which has brought a lot of fulfillment. I love new experiences and seeing the world. So travel is really a big part about what we do. Um, we split our time between Wisconsin and Los Angeles. So I, I love that we have both worlds where, you know, in Wisconsin, that's where our family is. Um, I have a beautiful niece and nephew, love spending time with them. Um, and then when we're in Los Angeles, I love being around all that creative energy. And I have so many, you know, fellow female girlfriends that I get together with and um, certainly enjoy hiking and being on the beach and all that good stuff as well. Uh, well, congratulations on so much. And I wish you the best in 2020. You're such a beautiful human being. I'm so happy to be connected to you. And if anyone wants to DM you or ask you questions about your business, your podcasts, Empowerista, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Please reach out. And I do respond to my direct messages. Um, at Empowerista is a great way to find me on Instagram. Also on Instagram and the other social media platforms, I'm at Alex Worley. Last name's W-E-H-R-L-E-Y. Also, the website is alexworley.com. 
So yeah, would love to connect with people. And Kelly, thank you so much for connecting with me on social media. It, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast. You truly have been a light to me on social media and um, you know, responding to me on email. Like support means more than you know. And any entrepreneur listening can attest to this that a lot of times we put things out into the world and don't get the feedback. So anytime somebody like you comes around and says, Hey, what you're doing is resonating with me. And I appreciate it. I get so much from that. So thank you. And thank you for giving me the platform to be on your podcast. Really oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. And thanks so much, you guys for listening today and spending time with myself and Alex. I hope you guys learned a lot and you took some notes as I definitely did. So have a blessed week, everyone, and stay tuned for the next show. If you love this episode, take a screenshot for me and post it on your stories. Make sure you guys tag me. And because I appreciate you all so much, I am offering you 10% off my course, Addicted to the Climb. You can find that on my website, kellytyan.com. Make sure to spell it K-E-L-L-E-Y-T-Y-A-N. And one last thing, don't forget to subscribe and leave me a review. That is how I can get this out to the masses. Until the next time, keep on climbing.